And so that show like really helped me uh, propel myself as far as like wanting to be um, a full-time artist. And of course there's ups and downs, but like I wouldn't change it for anything, you know? Like well, it's- I always say it, it's like turning a light switch on. Yeah. And you try to turn it off and that light just doesn't go off. Not at all. I'm, it, I'm uh, ruined, I'm marred for life. <laughs> All right, so being an artist, we have the most diverse conversations, and that's why I started a podcast about artists conversing. It's been over a decade. I can't tell you what Jonathan Paul Jackson and I talked about back in the day when uh, I knew him through Bet's Gallery in Houston, but I remembered enjoying the conversations. And on social media, I'm always soaking in the work of others and I love what he's producing. And I do remember the work from back then. So I'm eager to pick his brain and see how he's doing and evolving and thriving. How are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm good. I'm great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Excited to be here. Excited cool. to have another conversation. It's been too long. <laughs> it has. Well, you know, I, like I said, I, I can't tell you what we were talking about, really, but I, I remember just really digging what you were into. And part of that was your artwork. You know, it, um, it's always funny when... Do, do you love the question when people ask, uh, what kind of art do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely love that answer. Uh, I love that question for sure. Just because it's like, I don't, I get to answer everything. And then that just jumps into the conversation of everything I do, you know? Right. Um, so it's exciting. Um, yeah, I guess I, I'm a type of an artist that likes getting asked that question. Just okay. because I kind of like... I like to be able to answer, yeah, I do everything. And then we get to have these like conversations about all the different mediums I work in or curating a show or whatever it might be. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, I get asked that and I always, I love that we have phones. <laughs> it's a, this is what I do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but no, you, what you do, you hover in kind of the abstract-ish realm, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, I guess, like, the more... <clears throat> whenever I, like, actually started studying art, like, I guess, right, I've been making art for a long time. Um, but then there came this moment in me wanting to make art where it's like, all right, like, can I leave a lasting impression in art history, you know? Um, cause at the end of the day, like, that's kind of like what artists want to do, you know, like they want to be seen within the realm of art history, whether it be five minutes or an hour or years or whatever it might be, you know? And so I kind of had to like rethink <clears throat> what type of art I was making and like why I was making it and like what type of art, like really, I like really enjoyed. Um, and so like, as I started studying artists, like there aren't too many, like, African-American abstract artists that like have a moment in art history, you know, they're sprinkled here and, and here and there, 
And so I started studying those artists and then come to find out like a lot of these, there's like so many artists from like the 1920s to 40s that were African-American that were making work that I was just like, oh my, you know, I was just like, so it looked like it was from the future. It looked like it could have been made five years ago, you know? And so to know that like African-American artists were, were making that work like that far back, you know, and during these like terrible times to be black in America, like they still were able to like conjure up whatever you want to call it, energy, um, bravery, whatever it is, like they were able to find this spirit and like put it onto canvas. And that just like super inspired me to like really start <clears throat> trying to figure out like my voice and like what it means to be like you know what kind of narrative am I going to add to the African-American you know art world in, the, in that sense of like what my story is um and so I started working for other artists as well like I didn't go to art school I just started like becoming uh like I like work in and out of galleries like that's how I met you and so I like learned the gallery ropes and then I started working for artists in their studios right like learning how to paint with them and like mix colors and all that type of stuff. And so that's how I learned like really how to make art. And then talking with them about their African-American narrative and like how they came up with that and like what they wanted to talk about within that realm of making art and being African-American. And so eventually um, after I stopped working for artists, um, I started going to like the art museums a lot and just was fascinated by African sculpture. And I was like, that's it. Like, I'm going to do some, like, Man Ray. Like, you know, like, I really wanted to, like, because he brought, like, he brought emphasis on the importance of African sculpture in this, like, great way. Um, and so did Picasso. And so I was like, man, they, you know, I, that's what I'm going to talk about. Like, I'm going to talk about how, um, <clears throat> how important, like, African sculpture is to me by, like, painting it abstractly. Um, because what happened... What would happen was like I would go to the art museum with, with my friends and like be left alone in like the artifact wing, you know, because like that's where I like. And they would go on to go to see Warhols and et cetera. And I love Warhol and I love all the masters and all that type of stuff. But for some reason, you know, like sculpture, like um, indigenous sculpture, just like I don't, know, I find it fascinating. Like everything about it, in the sense of like these people that didn't have art galleries, they had no reason to make this art except for pure expression. And here they made all these artifacts, like museums are, you know, just, there's so many artifacts around the world. And it's just so awesome that we're able to find like these old realms of the old world. And they're just so beautiful. So I would get sucked in. And, and so I, I knew like that was what I wanted to, that was gonna be like my African-American voice, right? Because whenever I saw African-American, current Af contemporary African-American painters, it's like, you know, they do black portraits and, you know, all these things. And so I was like, oh, like, this is it. Like, this is how I'm going to stand apart from all of them. I'm not going to talk about hip hop. I'm not going to talk about, you know, paint black people. I'm going to talk about, like, what inspired all these black artists from the get-go, you know, which was African sculpture, right? Because, like, African sculpture, you know, has this, or indigenous sculpture really um, has this lineage to, like, modern art and contemporary painting. And so I wanted to like celebrate what inspired contemporary painting and modern art to, from the get-go. Um, and so whenever I first started the series, which was, was, which was me like printing out indigenous work, like d indigenous sculptures and then painting over them in like an abstract way, but I wouldn't like deface them, so to speak. 
I would paint like abstract things around them to like bring emphasis like to what they made me feel right because I'm an abstract expressionist. Um, it's so, like a visual, a visual conversation. Correct. Um, right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like it's me talking to the sculpture. Correct. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you know I submitted that to an art center and they called me a, a cultural appropriator. <laughs> now whether or not whether or not that. like and I was yeah. I did like different indigenous <laughs> sculptures too it just wasn't African American it wasn't just African sculpture right so maybe they were calling me a cultural appropriator because of that you know um, and so like that made me like revamp the whole thing so I like after I got that rejection letter I went back to the proposal itself. And I like just pretty much just took it apart. Like, how can they, you know, in the sense of like, where, what wording was I using to make them feel that, you know? And then like, and, and as far as the imagery goes, like, what can I do to make them not feel that? And so my mentor um, was like, just focus on African sculpture, you know? Like, we know you love indigenous sculpture, but like, that's, you know, like, that's just the piece, you know, like the, the politics of like art centers and stuff like that it's like kind of hard whenever you're not that in, you're not from that indigenous people to like use that work, you know, regardless of the color of the skin. And so um, I just started focusing on African sculpture. And instead of like, I would call them like untitled African sculpture number 24. And so what I did was to combat like the idea of I made this sculpture, because I think that's what people probably thought, you know, uh, what I did was um, I put the tribe's name in like the region of Africa that they came from and what year they were prominent in Africa. So you could Google that, like, so you Google the title and then you get to see that sculpture on your phone. And so you get to like see that correlation and see where it comes from. Then you get to know, know about the people. And it's kind of like, that was probably a game changer doing that to my titles because it like opened up, like I have people that go to my shows and they email me after the, you know, they go to the shows and they Google and they're like, I'm finding all these crazy, you know, I never knew that Africa had all these like really crazy tribes and, you know, the like gold kingdoms and all this other stuff. And, you know, it's exciting that it's kind of working, right? Like, I want people to be just as excited about the African sculptures as I am. And so it's cool to like get that feedback from them because they're like super pumped about learning something new that, you know, was, I was able to like be a part of. That's interesting. I uh, I have a similar co connection to um, Mayan art. Yeah. Now, I grew up with, they were touristy things, but things in my home from uh, yeah. my, my dad's country of origin is Guatemala. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I grew, I became an artist, and all of a sudden, these works were coming out. And it really wasn't until recently when uh, my mom brought over this thing that used to hang on our wall that I realized where these tribal looking paintings were coming from. And um, it is exciting to, I guess, I have an aversion to, to looking at the hieroglyphs too much because although they, they have seeped into my consciousness, I still want to do my own thing with them. And I think part of that was, um, I remember, I'm really connecting with how you're describing your journey with indigenous artifacts, because uh, I think it was North, um, 
North Carolina. I was in a museum and the basement was nothing but religious art from all over the world. And it felt like everyone was represented except the place I came from. Uh, and so to me, it became a, it started with the photography project. I think that's when I was at Betts Gallery, I was doing those photographs. They were Mayan inspired. And those were, those were from the creation accounts and I would read stuff, but I didn't want to look at the hieroglyphs, you know, but, but some of that architecture was in those photographs and that's what I was using to build those. And then, you know, those eventually turned into paintings, but it's, um, I think it's inevitable for most people to dig into their culture when they're creating. And um, I think part of the connection to indigenous work is um, when you were talking about um, African-Americans making abstract art back then, um, it's not so much about making time. I think for artists, making stuff for us is like breathing. I mean, do you agree or? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I, um, I don't feel right if I don't make things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bummer um, day whenever I can't make a painting. Yes, totally. And I try not to let that happen. It, I at least make a drawing or two before going to bed. Mm. Um, but so let's, um, Let's backpedal a little bit. How, how early did you get into art? Oh, man, I can't. <laughs> you know, I, I get asked this question so much. I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. And mm -hmm. it's just like, uh, I think the youngest recollection, and it's something that I like ask myself a lot. It's like the, the earliest time I can think of like getting like praise for art or being like, oh, man, this is so great. I think I was like 10. And then, like, after that, I just love that encouragement so much. You know, like, my mom being like, oh, this is, you know, it was like, it was, you know, the, the cube house with the the cube chimney with the smoke, you know, like, whatever 10-year-olds draw, you know, but, like, getting that, like, recognition from someone I wanted attention from, you know, and it, and it like, drawing that came easy, right? And so, but, yeah, probably, like, 10. And then, you know, I had my first, like, really – like big recognition show. I was like um, 20 and I got a show at Cafe Brazil yeah. and it ran for like, it ran for like nine months. And I remember like a week in, like Dan was ca called me and he was like, dude, there's like MFH board members having lunch here, like really interested in the work. And I was like, it just, yeah. That was like, yeah. you know, again, to go back to the encouragement thing, like that was, that just kind of like propelled me forward. Yeah, I, I think for most people, it's a, a time in their youth. You know, you're yeah. talking about building or drawing the house. For me, it was turtles, neon turtles, like very bright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had the brightest color ring box in my class, and um, I would just get lost making these things. And it, it was cool. The My first grade teacher said to my mom, she called me over. I thought I was in trouble. And she shows my mom the drawings and I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah. And she, uh, she says, I won't, um, I won't 
die without seeing your son's work in a gallery or museum. That's great. I was six and um, yeah, yeah, that stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. It's you impactful. Know, yeah. That's, it, um, um, my, you know, uh, my, uh, my late mentor, Richard Stout, he's an abstract expressionist painter from Houston. Beaumont originally moved to Houston, <coughs> went to the Chicago Art Institute for um, painting, graduated, moved to Vienna. You know, like he lived a life, right? Like he, he just yeah. died at the age of 85, 85. He died in April. Um, and he was like, you know, like, we would talk about moments like that, right? And then I would have a good show and just be so excited about the show. And he's like, he's like, put that moment in your back pocket, you know, because like, there's going to be times whenever you'll need those moments to like, really, you know, like, it's like selfish reassurance, you know, like we as artists, like we go through these moments where it's just like, it's not like, should I be making this or like, it's like, should I be heading down this road or whatever. And so like those little moments of people that just encourage us to make art like those moments are good to keep in your back pocket and as you did you know you've kept it since you were six you know so yeah. you know like that moment and, and like it's important to like kind of recognize those moments or to go back and think about those moments or try to you know like dig deep in your your psyche and your your life and figure out whenever like the first moment you got recognition for your work is and like that's important because it usually leads and opens up to other memories and it's pretty great. Do you find that with age, that need gets to be less? Um, yes. Yeah, yes, because like you reprioritize what like is important in that sense. You know, like I remember when I was young, like, it's like, man, success is like having a great show and selling like 10 paintings and being able to sell like each painting for like $2,000 or more whatever and then you do that and you're like uh i guess you know like it just that that becomes so much less part of it and then i get to meet like mentors like my mentor that just passed that make you really understand that like <clears throat> success is like being able to paint a painting that it comes from your imagination and it's like a hundred percent from like your imagination to the canvas and it's like the perfect painting you know so to speak like if, if you can translate what's going on in your brain to a canvas and you like agree with it hundred percent, like he's like, that's success. And so you kind of like redefine and like reprioritize what that kind of is. And so the need for, I guess that recognition kind of goes away because the recognition is in the work, right? At that point. Well, I think that idea of success varies. Yeah. You know, to, I think we all think about all of these questions and success has been one of them to me. And I mean, I draw from everything and uh, music is heavy for me mm -hmm. and um, in all spectrums of music, but there is um, the band Fugazi. Yeah, they, um, absolutely. Okay, so have you, yeah. have you heard him speak? So I've, I've heard half, like a few of his uh, kind of talks. Okay, so Ian McKay, um, he's at one of those things where he's at a college and he's just like, ask me questions. Yeah. And so they ask him about success. And um, 
he says, well, success is that the four of us got into a room and we recorded that thing. Right. What happened? Who listened to it? If it sold, if it didn't sell, if people hated it, um, it didn't matter. And I think I've always known that, but like hearing that and hearing things like that to, um, so I think especially creatives obsess over like, this has got to be perfect, but things only get perfect if you keep doing them. And to me, it's just output and constant movement. And, um, you know, maybe this one wasn't as perfect as this one, but it doesn't matter because I'm five pieces ahead now. Right. That, that to me is success is keeping that flow going until you're out of here. So. (laughs) Absolutely. I think, and then, and yeah, and I think you're just like, and that, Cause like, that's like, at the, I guess like at the beginning, like that's like, cause again, like that's what you think success is, right? Is like selling this work and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And of course, like <laughs> that kind of maintain, like, I guess like also success, I could define it as like, like I'm able to live like a moderate lifestyle and to continue to be a painter, you know, like I can do what I want. I not necessarily do what I want, but like, as long as I crank out and like finish these 10 paintings a month or whatever it is, like I can continue to be this, you know, I can continue to live, live happy and stuff like that. So that's kind of like success, but that kind of comes after you start making this work that just kind of like flows out of you. Because at the end, like that's, a, that's the work people want. And it's like raw and honest and like yourself. Cause that I like whenever I try to make works based off of my honest or raw works, quote unquote, like I can't do it. And like people see it, you know, they're like, I don't know, like I don't, I see what you're trying to do in this painting, but it's not as honest as this painting. And I'll know like which which one is raw and which one I try to copy. So that's that's a pretty great feeling to be able to make something. <clears throat> Again, make something that's like 100% your imagination, and people are into it. Like you make a connection with someone, like that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Excuse me. So you've said that concept a few times, making completely from your imagination. How do you feel about pop art? Um, man, so like, I love art so much and I love pop art. I love, I love like, it was a counter to abstract expressionism, you know, like that's why Andy Warhol and like all those guys, cause like they weren't these brutal artists that like Pollock was or, you know, like they didn't have like, these like harsh tones like all these abstract expressionist words right like they were they were so mad like they took up the whole canvas you know and it was like i'm this brooding man that's so tough and i drink whiskey and etc etc and andy warhol wasn't that and jasper johns wasn't that and rochenberg weren't that but they still wanted to say something you know and they said it perfectly like they came um at a time in america whenever like that needed to be talked about um and it's, I like, love it. I, I like really love, I love like what it, what the response was, like their response to like abstract expressionism was pop art. And what a great response. Like you can't get, you know, you can't get a better response than that. And it changed the world. It like absolutely changed the world. You know, like there were no, there were no paintings like, you know, soup cans, like 
soup cans like that blows my mind you know like it's just beautiful that we were at a point in art where like that became acceptable you know and that again that changed and moved art forward so many steps you know how can i hate it well i mean it was in, when i was living in houston um i always I've always loved pop art mm. i love all spectrums of art but um i used to make it really small <laughs> because I was influenced by dialogue around me and other artists and, um, you know, pop art, bad, you shouldn't touch that because then you're not a real artist. And um, so what happened, I don't know if you're conscious of this, but I don't live in Houston anymore. <laughs> but I, I live in North Texas. I got relocated here. I didn't know a single soul. Wow. Uh, I landed in Fort Worth and... Um, and so I, I, I was like, man, I need to uh, sell some art because that's what I do. That's my full-time yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I set up in front of a bar parking lot that was down the road from the museum. And I, I put up my stuff, you know, my, my large pieces, which were, you know, as you say, from the imagination, what I had to say. And... You know, I just sat there most of the day. I, I sold like a piece, I think. And then um, I realized this was a, a bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> so the next week, I had been wanting to do these, uh, these record covers, taking record covers that I grew up with. Like I said, music, very Important. instrumental to it. Yeah. I always have it in the studio. It probably drew me into photography looking at album covers so so i remade a few i put them up and then cars started stopping <laughs> and um and i felt weird about it but throughout the day uh people were so excited about this and it created another dialogue that i really had not had in art um people were always asking me questions they were interested but I like the idea, and it's what we're all, you know, tapped into. Everybody knows the Campbell's soup can. Absolutely. <laughs> now, in pop art, not everybody knows, because I tend to pick it, like the B side of things. Like the guy who got hit in the background by a car in this movie that was in there for five seconds. But one other person, and it might be a rarity, will remember that guy. And yeah. then there's this weird connection. <laughs> and right. That, that to me is, uh, as pop art moves forward, it, it's, uh, it's just funny to think about. So, but um, that's my diatribe on uh, pop art. But, uh, <laughs> I, like but I wanted to go back, because okay. if you don't mind me asking about your day to day, because I think that's interesting um, sure. in these conversations. Like I said, I, I'm full time, it sounds like, you're doing your full time. Full time. Yeah, okay. yeah, full time, man. It's like, uh, my day starts at like six a.m. Uh, get up. I try to like, <clears throat> like, be active in the morning. Like, um, I have like a big backyard and it's like a nice garden. So I'll go in the garden in the morning and like try to move around first and, and then go get some coffee in me and then come back and, 
do like a, like a warm-up painting or something small just to like kind of get me quote-unquote loose, like warmed up, you know, stretched. And then I'll start working. I have a lot of paintings in progress, you know, so I'll start working on those after I do the warm-up. Um, I don't know why I like doing warm-ups before I started painting. I've already been starting. I don't know. I guess it's like a new day and it's yeah. like, it, it, it helps a lot for some reason. Um, so, and then I'll just kind of work on stuff throughout the day until um, about 12 is like whenever a lot of my meetings start. And so um, if I have like a lot of meetings in a day, then like from 12 until four, I'll be in meetings and then I'll come back here and start to work again. So what are the meetings? Um, sometimes they're new projects. Um, I'm represented by a gallery here in Houston, um, uh, Fultz Gallery, Fultz Fine Art off of Westheimer. Okay. And so um, once they started, me and them started, me and the gallery started working together, we kind of like have meetings every once in a while because uh, I post a lot of work on Instagram. And so they'll be like, oh man, bring this painting in and, you know, we'll talk about it and I'll bring it in and, um, you know, and they'll try to sell it or we'll talk about um, possible shows coming up or, um, you know, they're always inter getting me involved in like interior designers and stuff like that, like involved mm -hmm. in doing projects for them. So, um, so, you know, it's just like a, and then I meet with uh, other artists, uh, like from 12 to four is like usually whenever I schedule like that kind of time. Like if someone wants to get coffee, I'm like, oh, we can go between, you know, if I have a meeting between, you know, at one, then we can go after one. And so, and then that time I get to come back and I don't have to communicate with anyone anymore. And I get to kind of focus on painting, you know. Um, I have roommates, but um, I love talking to them. I talk to them every day, so it doesn't matter. But as far as like people outside of the house, um, it helps when I can just get all those conversations out of the way so I can come back to work. Um, How long have you been full-time? Um, see, I'm 30. Uh, four years, like real full, full-time, like like most of my money comes from me making art. Yeah, probably like 32. Like I, yeah, about 31, I like started to like move into that realm of like, I was working for artists and I was getting paid from them, but I soon like, again, I soon like knew what I wanted to talk about, right? And so I kind of like wanted to work on my own. And then I started making a lot of work and then my work like I started making so much work that I was like, all right, well, I got to stop working for you because I don't have time to make my own work. And I'm asking to be, I'm being asked to be in shows now. And, and so it just kind of like all came together. And then um, I had a show, I was in a group show at Deborah Colton gallery here in Houston. And that show just like, that show changed my life. Like as far as like sales go, as far as being connected to people, as far as like, um, self-affirmation, right? Like, I never thought I could be this artist that could sell a painting for $2,000 or sell multiple paintings for $2,000. And that gallery or that show kind of proved to myself and to my family, thank God, that I could do that. And like, of course, like, you know, we all want to do things for ourselves, but whenever you have people that you love, like really accept what you do. Again, like that type of encouragement, just like, and I'm so lucky to be able to have that. Um, so yeah, like after that show, I was probably like, 
and I was like 31 or 32 whenever I got whenever I was in that group show and after that like I just started really pumping out work just like like I knew whatever you know I knew I could make work that people liked because it was proven it was a proven fact and and so that show like really helped me um, propel myself as far as like wanting to be a, a full-time artist and of course there's ups and downs but like I wouldn't change it for anything you know like well, it's I always say it, it's like turning a light switch on yeah you try to turn it off and that light just doesn't go off not at all I'm, I'm not... ruined I'm marred for life <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely for absolutely. me it was very much like that and I there have been trade-offs, you know, it has yeah. affected the way I have relationships. Oh, you know? 100%. Um, <laughs> any, any type um, of relationship, yeah. Yeah, well, especially yeah. romantic. I'm just, I'm terrible at I'm them. I'm the worst. Because, I'm so bad at romantic um, relationships. I, I somehow made to, managed to make a gaggle of children still. <laughs> and then there's that balance, you know? Uh, yeah, right. Because, yeah, I, ha I have uh, toddlers, and I'm listening to your routine, and it's a lot like, Mine was before children. I mean, I would get up, I would just work 20 hours yeah. and then fall back asleep and do it again. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. I, would, I would mark it. I would have days where I did certain stuff. Uh, you know, now it's different. It, um, because I'm, I'm a single father, I'm watching all these kids. I do my marketing during the day. I've learned how to sell online a lot. Okay, uh, awesome. I go to sleep, I create projects for myself like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I start to make things and then uh, repeat. And, um, and like you said, there are, I don't even see them as ups and downs. They're just different periods in your Correct. bizarre life that you chose for yourself. You did Correct. this to yourself, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I definitely did. I'll agree with that for sure. Because there's not, I mean, yeah, there is times where I don't think there's ever been a time after I kind of, quote unquote, took that leap that I kind of said I shouldn't be an artist. You know, like, it's just, I don't know, like, once I, like, started letting it really, like, flow out of me, like, that's whenever good stuff started happening in the sense of, like, me making work, you know? Like, I've lived, um, so, like, on this journey of being this, like, real artist, right? Like, this idea of, um, Man, all the artists that, like, I would read all these books, you know, biographies on artists, and, like, all they talked about were, like, living in their studios. In the beginning, you know, Picasso lived in his studio, like, Monet lived in his, you know, all these great masters, like, Warhol even lived in his studio for a little bit, you know, et cetera. And so that was something that I was like, man, if they're all doing it, like, that's something that needs to be done for me if I want to be, like, this real artist, you know? And so um, at the time... I was living on my mom's couch and then uh, my friend opened up this art gallery in downtown Houston and um, I helped him curate a couple shows and I was in a couple shows. And so there was like a loft space upstairs and I was like, man, can I just, just like start living in the loft space? And I was like living on my mom's couch and he's like, yeah, dude, of course. So I started living in this loft space of this gallery, which was awesome because it was like right on Main, right by like, um, like West Alabama and Main Street. So, like, there was, like, all these bars and stuff, you know, and, like, I would stay open until, like, 2 a.m. because people would come and buy art at 2, you know, like, drunk people, and, like, loved it, right? Because, like, there were no, there's never been an art gallery that stayed open that late. And we were selling, like, really good work, you know? 
Um, and so we would stay open until 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever, you know, because like people would come in and want to buy work and <clears throat> or just be excited to see something new. Um, and so, and we were doing really well. Um, and then they asked us to move out. And so I was like, well, I don't want to go back. You know, I was like really worried because I didn't want to go back to move my, moving in with my mom. Um, but uh, Juan Alonzo, the guy who owned the gallery, was like, yo, man, like you can come live, you know, come get a studio at El Rincon Social, which is this warehouse space over on the east side of Houston. And there's probably like 12 studios over there. And it's all artists, like um, five of us lived, worked there and the rest kind of, you know, the rest just were, just had studios there. Um, but for three years, I lived and worked in a 500 square foot space. And like, I slept on a couch. I slept on a, like an Ikea couch. And like, that's like, that was important for me to do because all the, the greats did it. And, and I could also like be so next to my work, you know, like if I got an idea, wake up in the middle of the night, work on it, go back to sleep. And like that, I think that was important because it, like if you have a studio and you drive from your apartment to your studio, there's all this static that like comes into your brain as you're driving. And so the idea becomes less hundred percent. You find it gets to your studio, it's like 75% of what you had, you know? And so like, I like took that out of the equation. You know, like I live where I, you know, I live where I work. And so there, therefore, like I was able to like, just make work all the time, just mm -hmm. constantly making work. Well, it's, it's the best to live in your. Yeah. I loved it. In like, your creative I, area. I, you I, know, love it's funny I have my studio space out back, but as the children grow older, it's starting to creep back in here. And when they're old enough, this is just going to be a studio. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry, kids. But yeah. And that's awesome because that'll probably just like, you know, that'll create a dialogue with y'all, you know, you and your kids' relationship. I was yeah. going to ask you about that. You know, as, um, you know, you're younger than me, obviously. But um, it's, it's interesting to hear your journey, like I'm reflecting back on mine. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm at the stage where it, it's starting to affect the little eyes looking up at me. I see it in my kids, but I also um, hear it, uh, where I live, it's uh, Bedford, Texas. Across the street is Hearst, and um, okay. I'm the director of development for a 501c called Central Arts. Awesome. And part of um, what I helped create was a summer camp. You know, all that's on hiatus right now as we try to yeah. get ourselves collected. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's $6 a day classes for kids. Not classes. They just have studio time. That's so it's 2,800 square feet that we um, got from the city, and they just get to go in there. And some of the parents will be confused until their kids go in there and love it. Because yeah. I thought about as far as instruction, I'm like, I don't want to sit there and teach people to draw a butterfly. Right. But if I'm walking around and they ask me and it, yeah, that's different. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know, it's, we, we would draw it on the walls in there. And, um, are you feeling any of that as you get older? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I think, and I felt that at a young age as well. Um, 
I I had some friends that were collectors and they had some kids that like loved my work, right? And just like really, I didn't know they like really liked the work. I would go over to their house and eat dinner and like, you know, and like see the kids, the kids knew me and et cetera. And I was like, I mean, I'm 36 now. I was like 33 at the time, um, which wasn't too long ago. Anyways, uh, and so it turns out they like really loved the work, right? And like just really found me fascinating. And I didn't know this until, and one of the kids was in eighth grade and he was going to PBA for art, right? Um, and so he That's, was kind uh, of- What's the name of that school, Houston? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it's high school- uh, visual, uh, visual performing arts. That's right. High school for high school for visual and performing arts. And so he was going to PBA the following year. Um, he was kind of nervous and, you know, eventually like, um, they asked me if I could come over one afternoon for lunch, you know, and, and he was there and he was like, they kind of were like, he wants to ask you questions, but doesn't, you know, and I like turned to him like, yeah, man, like whatever you want to ask me, I'm like, I'm definitely, you know, and so he wanted me to, he really liked how I drew, which I think I'm a terrible, it was like, I'm so bad at drawing, but he really liked that, right? And he wanted to know what I knew about art. And so I was like, I told him like kind of my story, you know, I was like, I don't, I didn't go to art school, so I can't tell you like the, the mechanics of drawing, but I can draw with you. And then like, if you want to draw with me and then like kind of follow what I do, then like, that's how, you know, like that I would, you know, and I told him like how I taught myself how to draw when I was really young was like, look at comic books and just draw the comic book as best of my ability. And eventually, again, like you said, like you get better by repeating it, you know? And so I would just draw the same comic book over and over and over again. And so um, what we had, oh uh, yeah, so what I kind of came <laughs> up with was, I, I got like a big roll of like butcher paper and I would just roll it out and we would just draw in his living room over the course of like the summer. Um, and so like what he had was like this timeline of him making work. And so he got to see him progress over these like the, the summer, the, the, the month and two months or whatever, they're out of school between, you know, and so he got to see himself like progress in this way that like was good for his, um, he felt a lot better going into PBA, right? Uh, yeah. For whatever reason, I, I don't know if him looking at, see, being able to see the progress and how much progress he made and like him being able to be so free and like the idea of him being able to be like, that's also very important for artists to kind of recognize. I think it can, I think it's intimidating for anyone that goes to create. Yeah. You know, right. the, they have that stop moment right. and a lot of, you know, we self-reflect on what we are. And I, increasingly I realize that that's important to me to people, for people to look at my stuff and say, I could do that. And I'm like, absolutely. You could. Yeah. You could. yeah. This is Why how not? you do it. I, I don't know how much you use social media. You, you mentioned Instagram. Yes, I am. I, yeah. Social media is a double-edged sword. I like. I love it. It's free. Yeah. I mean, it's it's our time. It's marketing. All we have to do is document. The yeah, other part of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's why. I mean, like, I just have to like get off of Facebook before I get into arguments with people. So it's like there's a hide function. 
don't get off Facebook. I love seeing your artwork. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm other- saying like, <laughs> I like post stuff and then I guess like, I like can't scroll through other people's feeds because it's yeah. like sometimes it's like, oh my God, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, uh, before yeah. the frustration sits in, I like to post my work <laughs> in the gap. And I like to have conversations and stuff like that too. Like that's why I open up in, uh, the messenger is to, you know, people are like interested in the work and I like to be accessible. Yep. Like, that, like that's important for me. Well, it's very important. Um, and so it was a moment earlier tonight. I started playing with TikTok. Okay. Nice. Which, have you? I haven't, um, I haven't played with it yet. I like the videos. They're funny. Well, when I first opened it, I didn't get it. Um, and then I'm like, well, what's there to get? You use things the way you use them. So I just started to be me on them. And I don't have like a big following, but what I've noticed is it's little kids. Yeah, it's young, that it's are, really young that people. Are, like, that are, they're following me. And, you know, we were talking about the hesitation to create. So, like, earlier tonight, one of those kids, um, I put a time lapse up, and he said, I'm trying to quote, like, how, I love that, like, <laughs> that's how I could, I'm like, man, you're really young. <laughs> yeah. Like is actually in the in the title. That's awesome. That's great. Like, like how do you how do you make the outline to the drawing? And um, that was like a really cool special moment because I'm like, okay, he's probably interested in drawing. So I made a little video. I'm like, well, this is how I did it, and, uh, and then shot it back up. And uh, yeah. it's cool that we have that type of exchange because yeah, I, like. I talk in tangents and I apologize, okay. but uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm also an artist, so it's okay. Circles and yeah. eddies of, um, but yeah, you know, that's tied into that, that fear. And to me, I find the more I can broadcast personally, and it's something I encourage other artists to do. I love hearing your story, that butcher paper and yeah. the kid going to PVA. Um, I think as artists, we should be doing more of that because we get this rad life and other people should too. And the more that's realized, the stronger the economy of being an artist will, um, will prevail. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like, you know, it's. See, I'm, I'm psyched talking to you. I remember, I remember this energy, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> through, even through the internet. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that idea of, and like, I guess like that was also what I kind of unbeknownst to me learning this was like, whenever I was in my studio and I lived in my, I like, I I like moved into a house with four friends and the house, like, it's like a stoop. We have like enough space. I have my own studio and my room. What neighborhood are you in? In Houston? What, where in Houston are you? Third, third okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. We're in third ward. And You're so, making me homesick. Like, with all <laughs> these landmark references. Yeah, to so. come visit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so um, unbeknownst to me learning this, I was, you know, again, living in my studio for three years, like really wanted to work every day. Like this idea of working every day was important to me. And so I had to redefine what was working um, and made that more broader in a sense. Like even though I wasn't working on an actual painting itself, like a sketch was working, writing an idea down was working, like 
doodling was working, taking a photo was working, like whatever, as long as I was like um, exercising my imagination in that way, like pushing myself to create something, whatever it might be, then that's whenever like art became easier to make, right? Whenever yeah. it's less specific, it's, it's like, so, you know, I got to have the right piece of canvas and I got to be in the right type of mood and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think all artists and all people can like learn to let go of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the first step of let going of it is like recognizing whenever you're doing it. Cause if you're aware that you're doing it, you can like stop, take a break, you know, and then go back, you know, like, all right, I'm going to create. And it's like, and like, doodling is not a big deal or you know it's like or like drawing on a piece of it's like what would happen with me and the kid would be that like I would just start to draw because I was in this state of mind of like there's blank you know there's a blank piece of paper in front of me like I'm gonna put something on it you know if I'm allowed to right right and so I think that encouraged Tim to also act like that right like the idea of quote-unquote turning it on as you say it's like a light switch yeah and so once you understand that you have control of this light switch and there's no song that, you know, like you get inspired by songs and that's awesome. But like that song doesn't control you creating. Right. You control whenever you want to create. And so if you broaden your idea of what it means to create, then you have more of a level playing field. Right. But if it's like creating to me, it's just like, I got to, yeah, I can only paint that's creating. It's like, well, I mean, that is creating for sure. But like, if you don't sketch, then you can't create a new painting. And so if you have all these like loose sketches around, then you have all these ideas screaming, create more paintings. Mm-hmm. But until you like broaden the field of what it means to create, then of course it's going to be hard to create or what you, this like perfect, perfect idea or ideal situation was to create. Well, the, the main thing I found, um, cause yeah, I get old. I think it's part of aging. Um, you start to feel like, you're lecturing (laughs) (laughs) yeah but to me it's like you have to remember that this is fun yeah breaking out it's supposed to pencils or gluing stuff together stapling something onto something else that's fun and you can never forget that and i think that you forget that the easiest when you sit there and agonize over something maybe you haven't even started to create right exactly the I think it's become like, um, it just makes me sad when I hear um, somebody say, I can't even draw a straight line. And it's just casual conversation, but it's casual conversation that has been soaked into, I I will limit it to American culture, that you're supposed to kind of be proud of that, or it's a quippy statement that's cool, but... I'm like, it's uncool because your kids are listening and um, they may agonize because they can't draw a straight line. They can't be an artist. That's the kind of influence you're having. It's like telling your kid that you were bad at math too. I'm like, don't tell them that. Yeah. Encourage them to be good at math. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you are, but that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Exactly. Don't, don't, you know, when we talk about legacy, don't give that legacy. That you, yeah. Have you seen the... Um, there's an art documentary, The Woodmans. No. I'll Man, uh, it's, it's a family of artists. And I okay. remember uh, one of the, 
it reminded me of something you were saying. Uh, they talked about kind of artist block, and he's right. like, "They're," he's like, "Go into your studio and sharpen pencils." Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Because absolutely. eventually you'll start to draw, or yeah. you'll get an idea. And yeah. as long as you are putting yourself in the environment, there is no block. Yeah, that's all. Exactly in your head yeah um i recently gave my cousin is 22 and she goes to ut and she takes a class there about rejection like it's a course on rejection i love that and she's like dude will you please give a lecture to my class about rejection and i was like yeah absolutely like i i would absolutely love to give a talk and so um, you know, the talk is just about like my, they pretty much just want to talk about me as an artist and like times in my career whenever I face rejection and how I handle that type of rejection and, and et cetera, et cetera. And so um, at the end of the lecture, it's open to questions. And one of the students asked me, um, how do I handle artist blocks? You know, and so I tell her kind of how I told you about redefining what it means to create. Yeah. And so of course you're gonna have an artist block if you step to a painting and like, this is what I need to be doing. Like, if you're gonna force yourself to do a medium or a type of thing, you know, you're not really into, like, you don't have to paint all the time, that's all right. Like you can go out and take a photo or make a collage or do a doodle yeah. or whatever. And so you broaden your, your sense of what it means to create. And like, if, if you make it too specific, then of course, like that's what you're gonna think it's gonna happen. But if you broaden what it means to create, then an artist block is irrelevant. You know, like it doesn't really exist because you are able to always create something, you know, like it's, you know, and that again, that, that create, even if you don't like doing collages, maybe that collage maybe gives you an idea to make a painting or whatever. Then then of course, then that, then that idea of what you think of an artist block is only painting is gone. So it's, you know, it, it's about how you kind of um, define what that is and you can redefine it to whatever it is you want. You know, it's your career. It's your, you know, it's, yeah. it's up to you to redefine it, you know, because people have defined it what people define those things, like what it means for them. But you as an artist, you can redefine it however you want. But you have the we nerve that you can too. We are in control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why that's why uh, we became artists. So. Correct. Yeah, and and so I guess it like the I can't even draw a straight line. You you can because you're in control. <laughs> like you can, but you have to let go of that. Like, but you like need if a you let go of that negative thought, <laughs> then you won't be thinking about that straight line. Like you won't be thinking about how hard it is to draw a straight line when drawing a straight line. You'll just draw the straight line. Yeah. And well, so. that, that, I remember like you, I would, um, I don't get to go to museums, like parenthood is, it's another chapter, John. Yeah. Be careful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had heard of it. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, John Alexander. Do you know his work? Yeah, I do. So he talked and uh, there was this period of time where there was a marked difference in his work. And he said, well, you know, I had kids and I was going to soccer practice. <laughs> but 
it made this cool body of work. So it's just a different animal. Yeah, um, for sure. But um, I lost track of what I was going to say. But what I'm going to say is I hope you'll come back because, man, I think um, I hope you're enjoying the conversation. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I um, This is just like we picked up, you know, a decade ago. Back yeah, at yeah, gallery. And, yeah. Let's do a part two or something. I'm down. And and I don't know. Maybe we can collaborate on some stuff. Where can people find you? Uh, my Instagram, which is just my name, Jonathan Paul Jackson. Um, okay. yeah, J O N A T H A N Paul P A U L Jackson. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can definitely find me on Instagram. I'm very accessible. Yeah. I pretty much answer awesome. every message, like within an hour <laughs> so, it's yeah. awesome to hear yeah all right um well cool and the gallery again that you're representing uh bolts fine art uh f-o-f-o-l-t-z um is located on uh two two one four three westheimer road in houston texas okay hey man congratulations on all of your success oh thank you so much i want i want to see it keep going and going and going and um yeah I'm happy absolutely to thank you for following connect you connecting with you again and thank you yeah man i'll see you next time later man (laughs) bebop i was bebop the number one podcast for artists expression and creativity can you feel it It's all about the art, the hustle, the passion It's all about the art, the hustle, the passion It's all about the art, the hustle, the passion It's all about the art, the hustle, the passion We're on a roll with the visceral expression of life Artist Bebop, yeah, we're doing it right uh-huh. A place where like minds can be set free Sip some tea, yeah, focus your key This is the zone where creativity flows Follow the road, see where it goes Open your mind, be inspired in time And love the moment cause it's so divine It's all about the art.